So before we begin this morning, let's start with prayer. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to sing praises to your name, to study your word. We thank you for what your word reveals to us. We believe that your word is relevant for us in all areas of our life and at all times. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our paths. Please give us wisdom to understand, strength and desire to obey, and certainly grace for when we fail. Lord, we love you. We give you all of our awe and our adoration. Amen. Okay, so the title of today's message is called Blessings for Today. And as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be looking through 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to focus on verses 10 through 12 this morning. And if you happened to have taken one of those Bibles from the back counter to make it a little bit easier for you, you could find that passage on page 1015 if you took one of those Bibles. If you're using a different Bible, I have no idea what page it's on for you. And today's verses continue from what we studied last week. So as we do read the passage, I actually want to begin at verse 8. So let's go ahead and start back up in verse 8. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And that's our word for this morning. But even though we're going to be focusing on those final verses, verses 10 through 12, we started reading back at verse 8 because this portion of text, starting in verse 8, kind of marks a little bit of a transition in Peter's letter uh, to some general godly virtues that should be a mark of every single Christian. And Peter mentioned a few of those in those verses that we just read and we studied last week. Keep those in mind. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, being tender-hearted, humble-minded, not repaying evil for evil. But then if you notice, verse 10 starts with some quotation marks. In my Bible, it's indented and has quotation marks. So your first question might be, who or what is Peter quoting here? And Peter's actually quoting David, as was written in Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. So Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16, mirrors what we see in 1 Peter, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. And so if we start by looking at verse 10 in 1 Peter, we see Peter via David telling us what to do if we want to love life and see good days. And then just above that, he told us to bless so that we may obtain a blessing. 
Now, right from the start, I do want to encourage you to pause on pulling out the prosperity stamp or the works righteousness merit badge because that's certainly not where we're going to go this morning. Uh, This isn't a sermon or a passage that's going to uh, support either of those ideas, and that's not what this portion of text is trying to convey. In fact, I would say that if that's all we pull from this text, we're completely ignoring one of Peter's major themes, a theme that he's touched on before and he'll get back to again in the verses we study in the next few weeks, and that is the idea of suffering. See, nowhere in this letter does Peter tell us that the Christian existence is only going to be wonderful and full of fluffy bunnies and butterflies. Uh, Peter is very, very clear that the Christian existence includes suffering. He's already addressed this in what we've studied in chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. And maybe you remember him saying, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. So he's mentioned the idea of suffering. And in fact, Psalm 34, which is being quoted here, is all about how God delivers the righteous in their suffering. And Peter's going to continue, like I said, with this theme many more times in this letter. But with that being said, Scripture does affirm that the believer has been granted the legacy to enjoy his life. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And now today in our study, Peter's going to continue to give us some very straightforward advice sorry, on how to experience that rich joy and that fullness of life even in the midst of sorrow or suffering or being in a hostile environment. In fact, this idea here of right conduct resulting to blessings isn't a new concept even in this letter. I think we've been given several examples of this already, of right conduct that leads to blessings in this lifetime. But again, I want us to keep in mind that in the Old Testament, blessings were always more material or physical, while in the New Testament we see them being a lot more spiritual or psychological. I'm going to go through a few of them just that we've seen in 1 Peter so far. For example, chapter 1, verse 8 tells us that loving Christ would result in inexpressible joy. Chapter 1, verse 9 that says continuing faith would lead to the benefits of salvation. Chapter 2, verse 2 told us that partaking in that pure spiritual milk will lead to growing up into salvation. Chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 reminded us that trusting God and doing right while suffering leads to God's approval. We learn in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, that wives submitting to their husbands could lead to their husbands being one for Christ. And we learned in chapter 3, verse 7, that men living with your wives in an understanding way leads to unhindered prayers. And then today in our text, we're going to see that there are more of these blessings for today 
in Peter's continued instructions. So I'm going to start reading these instructions again, and then we'll break them down and add a little bit of application. So if you would look back, starting in verse 10. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So now we see three specific things that we're instructed to do if we desire to love life and see good days. And a few of you guys who have been around a while know how I like to structure uh, my teaching, and I'm not going to let you guys down. So as we apply these instructions uh, to help you guys remember for your note takers, we're going to go through three Ps this morning. So get your notes ready. To love life and see good days, Peter and David in Psalm 34, they remind us to do three things. We're going to protect, we're going to pivot, and then we're going to pursue. So protect, pivot, and pursue. We'll start with verse 10. It says, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So the first instruction, we need to protect the tongue. We need to protect it. Now, you heard Karis read all about the tongue in our scripture reading this morning from James chapter 3, and that's probably the most familiar passage that uh, people think of when they think about the tongue. And I'm not going to read it again, but I want to bring back some of the strong language that it uses to describe the tongue. It says the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life. It's set on fire by hell. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. That's like some of the harshest language I find anywhere in the Bible. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so since we are told to keep it from evil— we should recognize how it breeds evil. I'm reminded of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, that says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we think about what that means, it means that if we are carrying around an ungrateful heart, it's going to result in a complaining tongue. A bitter heart would give us a sharp tongue. A self-righteous heart's going to lead to a judgmental tongue. A critical heart's going to result in a critical tongue. And we could go on and on on how the heart is going to shape your tongue. See, the tongue can have incredibly great power for evil. It can rip apart families, kill friendships, marriages, ministries. Perhaps some of you guys can think of uh, times in your life where somebody's words or maybe even your own words have uh, been shaped by the evil words of the tongue. But I do want us to remember, as the proverb said, that life is also in the power of the tongue. Just as the tongue can destroy, the tongue can make families closer. It can make friendships sweeter. It can make marriages stronger. 
It can make churches healthier. And of course, we can never forget that the tongue is used to spread the gospel. See, Proverbs chapter 12, verses 8, uh, yeah, chapter 12, verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So I finish here by asking, what do you use your tongue for? For death or sword thrusts, I love that visual, or life, which brings healing. And then before I do move on just from the tongue, one quick little addition that I want to put on there um, to apply for today is that I think that this would apply for things that you might put online as well. I think all of us are very familiar with these people in our lives we would call keyboard warriors, right, who go online on Facebook or all these online forums and just spew absolutely nothing from hate, nothing but hate from their keyboards. And I think that uh, whether it came actually from your mouth or came from your fingertips on a keyboard, remember that it came from the abundance of your heart. So keep that in mind. All right, as we continue on with loving life and seeing good days, the first thing we do is we protect the tongue by keeping it from evil. Moving to our second P, we pivot. So we protect, and now we pivot. Let's take a look once again at verse 11. It says, let him turn away from evil and do good. Now, at first glance, uh, looking at, at this part here, turn from evil and do good, I felt like, isn't this like the biggest no-brainer? Like, you don't need someone to tell you to turn from evil and do good. I mean, I know, like, we all sin, and sin is evil, but what I was kind of led to thinking about, and what I could give you guys for application today, I wanted to really answer those questions, how do we fall into sin And then, how do we actually turn from it? Because we know we need to. Uh, To kind of set up, to make this illustration make a little bit of sense, that I wrote most of the sermon that you're hearing today on a recent cruise that our family got to take to Alaska. And each afternoon before dinner, about an hour before dinner, Catherine and I would go sit in an atrium and she would read her books, and I would study and write and uh, work on my sermon. And I was asking myself those questions. How do we fall into sin? And then how do we actually turn from it? And I had to pause because I, I wasn't really getting anywhere. So I started people watching, and that's one of my favorite hobbies to do really anywhere on vacation. And as I was just thinking about those questions and looking, I saw this guy walk by who had the most amazingly bad comb over I've ever seen. It was like worse than like Donald Trump epic bad, right? Like it was like three hairs fold over covering absolutely nothing. And I thought, how in the world did that guy ever decide that that was okay? Like how did he get there? And then instantly I noticed the, like, the similarities in my question into how do people fall into sin and evil, and then with the guy, like, how did he fall into just the t- terrible bad hairdo? 
And so I continued watching people as the, uh, in the ship, and uh, this cruise is not really much of like the 21-year-old crowd. It's more like older, middle-aged folks. And as I watched, I gradually saw more and more gentlemen walking by with different stages of this horrible comb-over, right? They were not all as bad as the worst guy, but, you know, I saw the one guy who only moved over maybe a few hairs, and it wasn't noticeable. And then the guy who moved over a few more and a few more, and then it was like, ooh, dude, that's starting to look bad, right? It was everywhere in between. They moved from something small to something just blatantly bad. Now, uh, I'm not saying that comb-overs are evil, but it just helped me kind of see that gradual progression here. And I was reminded of James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, but each person is tempted when he was when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it, has conceived, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And then I read an article by a gentleman, his name is Joe Rigney, and he laid this out so much more beautifully than I ever could on my own. And a something he said that stood out is that basically what we do as Christians is we turn the Lord's prayer on its head. Instead of saying, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil, what most of us actually say is something like, lead me into temptation so that I can deliver myself into evil. And so to kind of expand on that idea he shared and give some uh, practical and biblical advice, uh, I'd like to invite you guys to turn with me to Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at a few verses there. That's Romans chapter 13. And if you took one of those back table Bibles, it's on page 948. So we're in chapter 13, and we're going to start by looking at the second half of verse 14 there. And notice that it says, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So what this implies here is that we can actually make a way or a path for our flesh to gratify its desires, right? That path to lead us into sin. So while we may not start off in just full-fledged evil, we gradually make that step for it to creep in. So what does that look like for you in your life? Well, maybe the easiest example I can think of is you know that there are certain websites that you should not go on because you will run into explicit images and you're a Christian, so you're not going to go on those websites. But instead, what you decide to do is you go on social media and you happen to have some friends who you know sometimes post images that are along those same lines, so you just check social media, but you happen to know that you're going to run into those images, right? I think that that's probably the, easy, the smallest example I can think of is you know what's going to happen. That's you making a provision for the desires of the flesh. So hopefully I fleshed out that idea of that there is a path that we lead us into sin, but that still doesn't answer my second question, 
how do we keep ourselves from it? How do we combat that? Well, I want us to stay in Romans 13 here, and we're going to look at a few different verses. And because I think this is probably the most important part of the message, the keeping and turning from evil, I'm actually going to give you guys three bonus sub-points here, free of charge. So how do we, do, how do we turn from evil and do good? Um, this is actually going to be three W's. We're going to wake, we're going to wear, W-E-A-R, and then we're going to walk. And I'll move through these pretty quickly. If you take a look at Romans 13, verse 11, it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So if we're going to turn from evil, the first thing we have to do is we need to wake up. Notice it says wake from your sleep. It's not talking about your physical sleep, you taking a nap. It's your spiritual sleep, your lethargy or your spiritual apathy. And we need to wake up and become aware that our minds and our flesh are actually working together to lead us into sin and evil. See, recognizing that what we are actually doing is following our passions while we're actually shooing away the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And then next, after we wake... We need to wear, again, W-E-A-R. If you read verse 12, it says, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And then also, of course, in verse 14, it says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting to notice in this verse that the process actually involves casting off and putting on. That means that we use our minds to count ourselves dead to sin, that's been counted off, and alive to God in Christ. That's actually Romans chapter 6 verse 11. And in fact, uh, a few weeks ago at at dinner time, uh, we were having like a family discussion and Catherine kind of laid it out. We were talking about this idea of casting off and putting on. And Catherine was kind of describing it to the boys of just like, you have like this old t-shirt on, right? And you want to get rid of it and you want to put on the new one, but unfortunately like it's old and crusty and it's stuck. So our whole lives, what we're doing is chiseling off pieces of this old nasty one and putting on this new shirt. And I, I just really loved the way that she laid that out for our boys. So lastly, to turn from evil after we wake and we wear, then we walk. Verse 13, it says, Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. I also love how it's said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. It says, It must not even be named among you. So we're awake and we're aware We're clothed not in darkness, but in light. And so now we walk in a manner that's proper for a Christian. And that's how we pivot or we turn from evil and we do good. So let's go ahead and flip back to 1 Peter here. 
We've talked about how we protect or keep the tongue from evil, and then we pivoted and turned from evil. And so now we're at our third P, to love life and see good days. We protect, we pivot, and now we pursue. If you take a look at verse 11 once again, the second half there says to seek, let him seek peace and pursue it. I just love when the text actually gives me the word with the letter I'm looking for. It saves me time in the thesaurus. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, right? That's a common one. So how in the world do we make peace? Well, there's probably so many things we can mention. Um, certainly protecting your tongue and pivoting from evil, which we've discussed uh, in depth this morning, is a great start. Or looking above to verse 8, which we studied last week, having unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, being humble-minded. But I also think about pa- uh, passages like we find in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 2 says that we're setting our minds on things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. And then if we skip down to verse 12 of that same chapter, this was actually our scripture reading last week. Putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. If someone has a complaint with another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, remember, we're humans, right? So conflict is going to happen. Disagreements are going to happen. That's all going to be there. But we remember that drama and grudges are always going to be a choice, And peace is going to come through the pursuit of love, it comes through the pursuit of reconciliation, and it comes through forgiveness. And then if we continue reading there in Colossians, it says to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we protect the tongue, we pivot from evil, we pursue peace. And what does the text tell us next? Let's look at our final verse, verse 12 in 1 Peter chapter 3. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the, of the Lord is against those who do evil. So what's next? The answer, more blessings for today. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Now, when I first thought about this, I was like, well, God sees everything, right? So like, His eyes are on the righteous, but yeah, they're actually on everybody. So how is that actually a blessing for the righteous? Well, what it's implying here is that God is looking after them, the righteous, for good and is always recognizing and meeting their needs. And this actually affirms what some of the other verses in Psalm 34 
uh, tell us where he's quoting from. And perhaps if you can move there quickly, we can go to Psalm 34. That might help here. This is going to be page 464 if you took a Bible from the back table. I still hear some pages turning. So Psalm 34, verse 17. When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Or you can skip down to verse 19. This is a very common one. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, what a blessing for today to know that whatever we face, that the Lord's going to deliver us. And then, of course, we finish verse 12 with that contrasting statement. It's the end of verse 12 in 1 Peter, but if you're in Psalm, uh, if you're in Psalm 34, you can just go ahead and stay there. It matches verse 16 of the psalm. And it says, But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, in the context of Psalm 34, where we are, this is certainly a verdict of judgment for the evil. Uh, If you continue on with verse 16, it finishes the statement there. It says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. See, he's for the righteous and he's against evil. So if we wrap up and summarize here, all of the things we've talked about, remember it's not about prosperity, it's not about works righteousness. It's actually affirming that these are the marks of a true Christian, of someone who's loving and pursuing Jesus with all their whole hearts and is actually acting like it. And we know that it's going to lead to that imperishable inheritance in heaven, as Peter told us back in uh, chapter 1, verse 4. But it does also affirm that there is a relation between this righteous living and God's blessings for today in this current life. I want to finish by reminding us that there's only two ways. Remember, God is for the righteous and against evil. I think the Christian existence is summed up so well in John chapter 10, verse 10, so I'll finish with it. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so my prayer for you guys is that you would choose life. Let's pray. God, once again, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it challenges us, that it convicts us, and that it motivates us. But then at the same time, it encourages us, and it gives us hope, and it brings life. Lord, would you help us by your Spirit to be the type of people who live our lives with our hope fully set on the grace that will be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that the idea of protecting our tongue and pivoting from evil and pursuing peace would be way more than actions that might simply lead to a blessing. Lord, I ask that those words would penetrate our hearts and make us more like you. 
that it wouldn't be a chore just to keep our mouth shut. And Lord, that it wouldn't be this daunting exercise to try to continually turn away from the things that we want to do, Lord, but that you would transform us and that what we would want to do is what you would want us to do, that we would be more like you, that we would pursue peace, that we would do good, and that we would love. Amen.